Just keep worshipping. And mum's going to read a scripture out. Just keep worshipping. So if you sit, stand. If you stand, if you just need to cry out to him, cry out to him. He's not so much interested in your outward expression as he is with your heart. He said to the Pharisees, you, your lips, you worship me with your lips, but your hearts are far from me. So when we have these places of worship, it's so that we go beyond our lips and we let them come into our heart. That's why, that's why we have this worship as part of it. So that we enter his throne room. Just while the band's playing, I'm just going to read the scripture out. And don't feel that you need to change what you're doing. You can sit if you want, it's fine. Let me read. It's from Acts 3. It says, Now Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, which was 9 a.m. Interesting time. It was actually the time that Jesus actually said on the cross, now it is fulfilled. Same time. A man was there who was lame from birth, being carried along, who used to be set down every day at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, so that he could beg for alms, for, for money from those entering the temple. So when he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking them for, for coins. But Peter, along with John, stared at him intently and said, Look at us. Look at us. And the man began to pay attention to them and eagerly expected to receive something from them. But Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you in the name and the authority and the power of Jesus Christ. Rise up and walk. And then he seized the man's right hand with a firm grip and raised him up. At once his feet and ankles became strong and steady. And with a leap, he stood and he began to walk and he went into the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw this. They recognized him and thought, man, isn't that, that, that that's the guy out the gate? Isn't that, that the same guy? One he's been asking us for coins all these years? What, what's the deal there? And they were filled with wonder and amazement and mystified at what had happened. And now while he was still holding on to Peter and John, this man was still holding on to them. Either he was holding on to them because he needed more strength to stand on these new legs that had not been able to be used all of life, or, or, or he was just so overjoyed that these men had carried this miracle that he just couldn't let them go. Seeing this, the crowd gathered together around this porch called Solomon's Portico. And Peter, seeing this, suddenly realizing that people seeing this miracle would have suddenly empowered a man or a woman, said, hey, look at what you have done. They said, no, 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 no. Why are you amazed at this, you, you, you men and women of Israel? Why are you staring at us as though by our own power, our own godliness, have we made this man walk? It's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The God of our fathers has glorified his servant, his son, Jesus. The one whom handed over to be disowned and rejected before Pilate. And he had decided to release a criminal instead of Jesus. 
that you had denied the Holy One. And he then rebukes them and said, you put to death the author of life. That's a pretty serious crime, right? But God raised him from the dead. And so he said, so repent and change your inner self. The old way of thinking, regret from past sins, turn to God and his purposes for your life that your sins may be wiped away, blotted out, completely erased, so that times of refreshing, anyone want refreshing today? But times of refreshing may come, restoring you like a cool wind on a hot day, that he may send you to Jesus Christ who has been appointed to you. You know, I believe that there is a, that God is going over this nation now. What is beginning is He's healing a sickness over this nation, over His people. He's healing believers over this nation. He's calling them to rise up and walk. I think that's the title of today's message. I think if you've got my titles there, Gary, pop them up on the screen. Rise up and walk. Across this nation, there are those that are feeling reduced to beggars in the faith. I don't know if any of you are like that in this room. Questioning, doubting, holding back from who you've been called to be. But God is saying, no, 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 rise up and walk. I feel that there are many in this country in the faith that they have infirmity. Some many infirmed in their faith by the recent times. But the Lord is saying to you, rise up and walk. The interesting thing is, when the enemy comes in sometimes, people can feel scattered. At AD 70, when the uh, Roman armies came into to, 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 to Jerusalem and just shattered that city, they, it said the believers, they were scattered. But there's another scripture that says this, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. And I feel that is what is over this nation right now that the Lord is rising up and he is saying, I will rise and let my enemies now be scattered. But he's saying to you, church, it's time to rise up and walk. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for the gift of grace and peace that you are giving to us today. I thank you, Father, that we are your children You desire us. And I pray right now this morning that your Holy Spirit speaks to us and encourages us forward to empower us to rise up and walk. I release it over this room in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. 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 I do. You know, I do love, we've been doing this Book of Acts series, uh, actually, um, uh, here, this Book of Acts, uh, Life in the Spirit. And I'm pushing on to it today in Acts 3, which is what I read uh, from while you were worshipping. You know, not everyone, uh, not always when I'm leading worships and doing things and heading around the country, is it always so um, spirit-driven. I remember I went to one church one time and uh, went to 
do an altar call at the end, no one came up. It was a very challenging morning at the church. Like, boy, it was dry in that church. I swear there was almost sand on the floor. It was so dry. And, um, and uh, I went to do an altar call at the end, and no one came up. And I threatened them. I said, if you don't come up, I'm coming to get you. I said, if I do that on the streets, I'm coming to get you. If you don't come up here, I'm coming to Hey, man, what's going on? You're messing with my mojo. And um, uh, he was going, oh, we don't do altar calls here. <laughs> you could have told me that at the start. We could have had a corridor about that. <laughs> anyway, I remember another time I was at another church and I'd done an altar call and, you know, it's a time to come and altar. You know, that's why you have the altar calls, come and get altered. Um, and, I, um, and, <laughs> and, uh, and, and, and I called, no one came. And one person came up and I said, oh, how are you going? I'm thinking, great, one person's come up. It starts with one. How can I help you? And I, and, 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 and he goes, oh, I just wonder where the toilet was. <laughs> you just, so, <laughs> I said, out there, you want to anyway. Uh, yeah, but, you know, it's not always the way we want it to be sometimes, amen. So, you know, today we're looking at Acts, rise up and walk. You know, the last uh, uh, couple of weeks, we've been looking at Acts 2. Now, Acts 2 was about the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. That was what we preached on last time. Um, and then really, we saw some of that happen last week at the Chris Gore event. We started to see people getting healed across the room. And, um, and that's great. But and we, we talked about the fact that Pentecost um, actually shifted uh, from what was originally a wheat harvest, where they would celebrate the coming of the wheat, and they would give an offering to the Lord, a food offering. And it shifted uh, from an offering of wheat to now where it was a harvest of wheat, to now it was going to be a harvest of souls through the Holy Spirit. So prior to Christ's resurrection, the Holy Spirit's coming was about your best effort. But now after Pentecost, through a believer's life, it's about His Spirit working through those that are willing to submit to what He has happening around them. It's a shift. It's a different time. And I think one of the things I find in Acts 2, you need to be willing to be apprehended by God. You've got to be willing to be apprehended rehended by God. You know, Peter, uh, when we think about Peter, you know, before the Spirit came out, before the Spirit was given, Jesus actually told Peter to carry a sword into the garden of Gethsemane. He said to Peter, bring a sword with you. Interesting. Why did he need a sword? But yet when he was in the garden of Gethsemane, Peter did pull out the sword and he cut off a guard's ear who was trying to arrest Jesus. Cut his ear off. Jesus picked up, rebuked Peter, picked up the ear, slapped it back on. It's in the scriptures. You read it in the Gospels. And yet, in Acts 2, after the outpouring of the Spirit, Peter's sword has been put away, and now the sword is in his mouth. It's the sword of his Spirit. And it says in Acts 2.37 that when Peter actually spoke, it said that they were cut to the heart in Acts 2.37. In other words, his sword had gone from being a weapon of rebuke that had actually gone into his mouth now, and he's actually become a spirit-filled believer that his words could cut to people's hearts. When he, the 120 were in that room, I think it would have probably been a bit depressing for Jesus in Acts 2 when you think of the fullness of his ministry. Jesus, you've been ministering for three and a half years. You are the Son of God, God personified in the flesh. How's your ministry going three and a half years later? What's your church looking like? Well, we've got 120 people, and they're struggling a bit. That was it. But when the Spirit came on Peter, when Spirit came on at Pentecost, he shifted, and 3,000 were saved. 3,000. We need that Spirit on us. You see, Acts 3 
goes further now. From Acts 2, where the Spirit started pouring it, Acts 3 is where the apostles start to step into their apostle shoes. They start to step up from just being these disciples that were torn and tossed by every wind of doctrine and doubting, and Judas was actually more wound up in money than he was in Jesus anyway. But now they're stepping into the apostleship. It says that Peter did many mighty miracles, that they were enjoying favor among the people. But notice, even though the Spirit had poured out and they were enjoying favor among the people, they weren't enjoying favor among the political leaders. They weren't, enjoy, they weren't um, receiving favor from the media of their time. Didn't happen. They were completely against them, but the people's hearts were turned to them. You know, sometimes we look at that beggar at the gate, beautiful story, and we think, isn't it just amazing? This guy, 40 years plus, begging on the streets. He was carried out there day in, day out, carried, because he was part of a troop of beggars that they would actually pick him up and they would carry him, plonk them all around the city. They had these beggars working and he was just one of them. He was plonked at that gate and he would earn each day. He would earn. That was what he would do. He would earn money, coins, and they would come and pick him up at the end of the day. They'd take his money bag and away he would go. He would do that day in, day out. And he said he was there for years and many years, even Jesus and even the disciples had gone to that same temple to pray. And apparently, there was no healing until this day. And sometimes we look at this and we think, man, that's an incredible story. How I'd just love to go up to people and just say, you know, silver and gold I have not. Pull them onto their feet. But sometimes I find that there's Christians out there, not in this room, but others in other churches. They think that, you know, that was then, this is now. We don't see that same healing. There's still those Christians out there that believe that. Others say, well, actually, it happens overseas, Alistair. Not so much here locally. It's more overseas, you know, in those, when you go touring. Others go, oh, no, I, I believe it can happen, happen here, but it's going to happen through you, not me. We're always finding a place to downgrade how God can move through us. I just want to show you a clip to show you that miracles happen right here, right on the street. I've shown you this clip before probably three or four times, but I'm going to show it again because it's cool. I've shared this. I, I share it whenever I teach on street ministry and prophesying to people in the street. I always share these clips because they just paint such a powerful message. I, I'll share the story again. Our team came into this church to pray. Where are we going to go today? And I, I encourage believers, if you're moving with the Holy Spirit, there must be some point of your week where you sit down and you say, God, what can you do? I want you to do something through me today some point, we need to ask God that question, and he will answer it every time. Well, this particular time, we got this word that there was a man with a broken heart. He had a broken heart. And so we went, um, where do we go? Victory Square was where we thought we'd go. So we went out, we jumped in our car, and we went to Victory Square. And we got to Victory Square. We couldn't find a man with a broken heart. We actually found no one. We couldn't find our beggar at the gate. We couldn't find him. So we, we just prayed for a couple of people, and then... We saw a man sit down, and I, I said to the team, I think that might be the guy. I, I could be wrong. So we wandered over, and, and I just said to him, I said, hey, bro, um, we're looking for someone, a man with a broken heart. I just thought I'd come straight out and say it. <laughs> I'm looking for someone with a broken heart. And he, and he slapped his leg, and he said, you found me. You found me. And uh, he shared with us the story. You've heard it before, but I'll share it again. He, he said that three days earlier, he had been in his house, and his partner 
had um, heard screaming outside. So they ran outside and they saw three youths dragging this woman out of the car. And so they, him and his girlfriend went over to help. And in the process of helping her, in that process, he said, I, I, uh, my girlfriend got kicked, she got punched. And he said, I got my hand slammed in the car door. And he said, we woke up this morning three days later and we just found out that our baby had died because she was pregnant. He was the man with a broken heart. You know, and I'm in this situation now. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? When you're confronted with something that only Jesus can make an impact for in your life. Because this is what Acts 3 is about. It's about the Spirit starting to move. Acts 2 is about it pouring out. Acts 3 is about it moving through the believers. Through you, through me. It'll look different to you, to me. It'll look different for us all. So we're sitting there with tears in our eyes because the Bible says you'll weep with those who weep, you'll laugh with those who laugh. And so we were crying with him. And then we saw his hand wasn't looking good. And you know the story, I've shared it before. His finger looked like it had been hit with a hammer. It was swollen. It was swollen so much that it looked like that the skin was about to split. A doctor in our church at that time told us that it was likely fractured or broken to have that much response. And so we said, can we pray for it? He said we could, but we couldn't touch it because it was so sore. And so we just prayed. Just a simple prayer, nothing big and elaborate. And then instantaneously, he went, oh, whoa. And he started looking. Then we prayed some more and more. And he started moving his hand. His finger started to change shape and change color before our eyes. I'll just show you that video. Turn it up, maybe, if we need to. amazing. Give God a hand. Every time I watch that, I'm constantly amazed. And I've got other video clips of other things that happen in community. I'm not calling all you to go out and do that. You know, no, God's calling you specifically how you're called. But this is a moment in time where he was a beggar at the gate. And all as we did was we said, we can't fix that other situation. We cannot fix it. Silver and gold, we have not. But what we do have, I give to you. And in the name of Jesus, be healed. And from that moment, his face changed. He was raised up. What actually happened in that situation is we were able to join him back into Victory Church in that area. That was his former church that he had left. We were able to get him reestablished in that. But I want to tell you something. When you get a wind of the Spirit moving through you, when you get a touch of that Spirit moving through you, I want to tell you, and I believe that is what is coming for the church of this nation, the church of the city, and this church is a move of God's Spirit. The thing that often happens is here. 
as soon as this miracle happened, as soon as this, this, this outpouring is taking place, it says here, while Peter and John were talking to the people, just while this miracle is taking place, I just imagine, just like this guy, he's healed his finger, I'm standing him up saying, Dan, we've got to get you back in a church. It says here that the priests and the captain who was in charge of the temple came to them being extremely disturbed, angry, annoyed, because they were teaching people and proclaiming Jesus, the resurrection of the dead. It's interesting times, isn't it? We forget that. In this time of incredible outpouring, when you'd call it a revival, we actually have leaders of nations and, and other, other beliefs standing there saying, you can't talk about your Jesus. You cannot speak about it. We're going to bring laws against your Jesus. So you cannot speak of it. And that says they arrested them. Tell me, if I think I'd be pretty disappointed if I just had that happen to this guy on the street, thinking, what an amazing miracle. The police pulled up and said, you can't be talking Jesus on the street. You know the law of this nation. And take me to jail. I think we are pretty fragile as believers. I think we are today. I think when I read that, you think of the gravity of that. And yet they go to jail, and what is it? We got, they got 5,000 saved? You know, expect to be challenged. I find that the world actually requires of you a decision. And it's in Acts 3. It's you're either for us or against us. Would that be a fair statement? The world would say you're either for us or you're against us. Your partner, your, your, your husband, your wife, they might say, uh, maybe they're not believers. They would say, well, you're either for this people group or you're against them. Did you know there's a third answer? Did you know there's a third answer? You're either a for, you're for me or against me. In the Old Testament, Joshua, standing at the gates of Jericho, standing there at these gates, he had, he had I think it was about a million people that were actually with uh, Moses let out. Could it even be more, 1.3 million. So you can imagine a pretty big army behind, behind Joshua. And it says that Joshua was actually, he was filled with the Spirit. He's standing in front of Jericho knowing God is going to do something in front of these walls. They're going to come crashing down. Something's going to happen. And then it says what, you can just imagine he's standing with all his mana, he's got his sword out, he's going, I'm taking this place down. And then it says here, he notices beside him was standing a man with his sword drawn in his hand. So Joshua, being all staunch and being all spirit-led, walked up to him and said, are you for us or are you for our adversaries? In other words, are you for us or are you against us? You see, that's, that world, the world will want you to have that question on your lips. Are you for us or are you against us? No, it's a setup to pigeonhole you into a relegated point. I love his answer. This is the third answer. <laughs> no. No, I'm not for you, and I'm not against you, and I'm not for them, and I'm not against them. Makes no sense. He says no but I am the commander of the army of the Lord. I am for God. That is the third answer. The third answer isn't, are you for me? Are you against me? Brother, I'm for God. And I'll meet you right where you are, right where you're sitting, right where you are. Tell me your story. You know, I find as believers sometimes, we can go through great challenges in our lives. When Acts 2 happened, it was the most confusing and painful time of their lives. And I have found that sometimes what can happen is we can go through some challenging times in our faith. 
really challenging times. Sometimes we come into the Lord and it's challenging. Sometimes we, 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 we go to our next ministry street. We can, we can change direction in life, whatever, and we can go through these times. And, and God gives us the grace to take a break. He says, look, just take a break, eat a cake. He said it to Elijah, didn't he? Elijah was struggling after he came off Mount Carmel. Jezebel threatened him. He got all stressed. Jesus said, take a break, have a cake. It's literally what he did. He sat him down under the tree. He was bought a cake of food. He had water. He just took a break. But I find there is one thing that does happen, is that sometimes for many Christians, it can happen to us all, we take the break, but we don't get back up again. We can be like that beggar at the gate, beautiful, just down there. But God is extending his hand this season saying, I'm calling you to be raised up. In fact, in Revelation, John says this, If you're in that place, he's saying, no, you need to stop. You need to consider how far you have fallen. Repent. And this is a very interesting statement. Everyone say this. Do the things you did at first. Let me say that again. Do the things you did at first. You know, I've been in the faith. I've been in this church 22 years. I'm a bit of the furniture, you know. Through hard and challenging times. If you are stuck and you can't get out of the stuck, this scripture is what I use regularly. Consider how far you've fallen. In other words, think, whoa, yep, I really have. I I really have to look at this and go, whoa, I'm here. And then repent. Turn the other way. And then it says, do the things you did at first. Let me explain. You know, it was a number of years ago, I had a guy in our congregation here. He told me, he, he came up the front, he said, Alice, you're not going to believe you're talking about this, you're talking about that. He goes, I walked the whole length of New Zealand with a team of people, and I had a cross on my shoulders, and we walked right up and down the nation over several months. I went, bro, that's crazy. He says, yep, people would stop us and take photos. He said, would share, had little wheels on the back of it, because I imagine it would have ground down to a stick if it was just dragging on the ground across the country, right? So it had wheels on it. But then what happened is this. He said that after that time, he said he never had done anything different. 15 years, he had never done anything more. And and I said to him, what happened? You see, what happened was this. The Bible says you are to go from strength to strength. Everyone say strength to strength. You see, he went from strength, but he got stuck in two. Did you know there is a two between your strengths? You don't end one season of life without transitioning to another. And the piece in the middle, we call the two. And sometimes what can happen in that place, things can become too hard. I'm too tired. I'm too sick. I've got too much on. I'm too worried. And at some point, at some point of this journey, God gives us the grace to heal and says, take the break. But there is some point that he comes to us and he goes, would you consider what you did at first? What does that mean? You know, there are times in my faith that always, I haven't always just been going like this in my faith. There's been times that I've gone vroom, down here, I'm across here, I'm over here, I'm way down there. Many don't know it. I'll share it, I'll share it at testimony time at different times. But one thing that the scripture does for me is this. I'm reminded of the things that I did at first when I first started to come alive in Christ. Because I spent about two or three years, four years, just coming to church, 
I just came to church. Didn't know why. Didn't know, I, I, I received Jesus, but even then I didn't fully know why. I, I had questions, questions, questions. I, I couldn't go forwards. And then one day I got baptized in the Spirit. I think it happened over there. I did share that a couple of weeks ago where there was my snot and tears right in that area there. And um, right in that area there where you're sitting, Ruth. Lots of my snot and tears there. And um, I can remember getting up. When I got up out of that, my life had changed uh, significantly. And I started ministering in community. And, and, and from this scripture, every time t- 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 things would get tough, I would go back to the point where I last felt his presence and his spirit, and I would do that again. I hope I'm, I'm speaking to someone this morning. And so what I would do, and this is me, not you. This is me. This is Alistair's things at first. You'll have different things. My things was going out on the street ministering. So I would literally just hop in my car. I would drive. I would drive to a park. I'd see someone. I'd jump out of my car, and I'd just go and minister to them. And sure enough, the same presence that I felt all those years again was there exactly the same way as it was, and it had never left me. Because I had to realize it was me that had left him, not him that had left me. Is this making sense? And I just want to encourage you. You know, if you're feeling that you're in the two of your life, strength to strength, if you're in the two and it's too hard, I'm too tired, it's too much, I'm too sick, I'm too worried, I want to encourage you to go back to the things you did at first. Doesn't mean you have to be great at them. Doesn't mean you have to be really good at them because you have grace over you. And you'll find when you step on that page again, even in your weak state, your challenged state, your struggled state, like the beggar at the gate, beautiful, who still needed to hold the arms of the people that had given him the miracle. You'll find God is right there. He has not changed. He has not left. You know, sometimes we're looking, I love that we have stories from the past. But my Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, hearing is present tense. It's now, it's today. He doesn't want you to have a miracle that happened 15 years ago, and that is the last high point you can remember of him. Faith comes by hearing. It's meant to be a daily thing, a weekly, a monthly thing. He meant to be living a faith of hearing and responding. Maybe the music team can come up. Rise up and walk. That's the word that I have for you today from Acts 3. Rise up and walk. Rise up and walk. And you might go, I'm walking fine. Look at this, Alistair. I'm up, both my legs work, I'm good. I'm talking spiritually. Rise up and walk. I feel that there has been a hand of God like this, just like the beggar at the gate, beautiful, over you and your place. He's saying, grab it. Grab it. I want to pull you up. I know that beggar, when he stood up, he wouldn't have been altogether whole. He would have got stood up, still shaky. He would have got up and he, he didn't have a job. His begging's gone now. He'd have to pretend to be a beggar. So he's lost his job. Great. <laughs> got a miracle. I've got no job now getting a pretty good income before, he would have to redefine who he was. And I think that when we rise spiritually again, we step into our strength to strength. We have to redefine who we are again. And that is one of the biggest challenges in the faith and one where many Christians struggle with is the ability to go from our former strength to the new strength he has in the season for us. Amen?
display what you're feeling there, Matt. Nice spicy little number. Maybe just turn the lights down there, Gary. We'll... Proverbs 13, 23 says this. It says, there's much food in the fallow ground of the poor, but in righteousness sweeps it away. The fallow ground is the unturned soil of a paddock. Is the unturned soil in a paddock. In other words, what I'm saying is this. Is that many of us live in this little paddock that we've been hoeing for years and years and years and years, and every year it gives us a crop, and we love it. And then one day God says, I want you to jump into that paddock. And you might go, well, it looks a bit ugly over there, God. It's got weeds in it and rocks, and there's a dead rat. I'm not going in that paddock. I'd rather stay where I am, where it's lovely, and there are no dead rats. He says, no, 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 son, I'm actually shutting the gate on that. You can look at it, but this is... The fallow ground, the unturned soil that I now need you digging in. And the Bible says there's much food in the fallow ground of the poor. Now, in one reference, it is literally to people who are in poverty, meaning they do not have it, and unrighteousness has swept that away from their lives. But it also means those who are poor in spirit. But for the life of them, they just can't turn the soil over. And so what happens is, is without realizing we can live in an, a type of unrighteousness. We just believe God can't do it or won't do it. But I give you this help. Just say, stop and consider how far. Not to depress you, not to anger you, not to, not to say, oh, God is angry with you. He is not angry with you. God is not angry with you. Oh, but I believe God judges. Yes, the Bible says there is a day of judgment. Okay, a day. I don't know why you're so hard on yourself when there's just a day of judgment. Get it over and done with today, and then be happy tomorrow, okay? Consider how far you've fallen. Repent, and then do the things you did at first. I'll translate that. Do the things that once brought you life before. Go back to those watering holes again. And in that place of doing that, you will actually find a digging of fallow ground inside of you that you had just thought was, had nothing in it. If you talk to a farmer, they'll tell you something. If that ground hasn't been grown on before and you turn it, it often is very arable because it hasn't been robbed of nutrients by year after year of tilling it, turning it, and trying to get a crop out of it. My point is this. The thing that you're afraid to do is the very place God wants you to be, doing what he wants you to do, and in that place, it will be incredibly fruitful because this is new ground for you, a new day. Rise up and walk today. Maybe just stand.